1: And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCorsi here with Dale Gray, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Hi, Dale. Hi, how are you? Good. And thanks for joining me today. Um, I'll take care of introducing you to the world. How about that? Sounds great. All right. So, Dale, you are the CEO of First Call Technology Kansas City. I guess we'll say startup. You've been, been at it for a little bit, but you've got a, a history with Kansas City companies. I believe you spent 12 years as the director of analytics at Cerner. That is correct. Is Cerner the world's largest medical software provider now?
0: Yeah. So Cerner's definitely the largest uh, publicly traded medical software right. provider. Uh, they've got a close competitor uh, called Epic that is private. Okay. Yeah, they're they're massive.
1: So you were the director of analytics there for a while and also had your own startup, which you successfully exited, and we don't always share those details here, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Did a lot of cool stuff, still with data analytics and and uh, I believe it was uh, shipping stuff.
0: Yeah, it was uh, the company's called Catapult International. That's here in Kansas City, and
1: that was the dot com startup that, that I did right after I left Cerner. So you know the pain. Yeah. Um, but really, what we're here to talk about is we're gonna we're gonna do a uh, you got an inside look at a lot of the reality of of what goes on in Silicon Valley, and obviously. The valley (laughs) is uh, is is a popular topic. There's a lot of stuff going on there. There's no way to dispute that. There's a lot of why and why not. And uh, you know, and 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 according to my notes here, you traveled out there to join Stanford's Children's Hospital in 2011. Give us a little insight on that.
0: Yeah. So uh, when I exited uh, Catapult International here in Kansas City. Um, I was immediately uh, asked to come out to Stanford's Children's Hospital uh, to essentially run their data analytics uh, practice. And so I did data analytics, and I was also the director of web development. Um, it's quite common in the, uh, in the hospital industry, if you will, that uh, they bring in outside consultants for their, for their technology. And so I flew back and forth from Kansas City to palo alto every single week for five years that's crazy yeah yeah the i i looked at at the mileage i had and i could have literally gone to the moon and back and and just travel wow
1: i had millions and millions of miles wow (laughs) literally to the moon and back all for the all for the purpose of data and analytics now i mean obviously stanford has got a, a an amazing reputation for its educational prowess it's kind of like the West Coast Ivy League school.
0: Absolutely. That's exactly what it is.
1: Right. I've known a couple of people that went there. They were way smarter than me. Um, But, you know, that's, it's positioned right, you know, Stanford and, and a lot of that stuff out in the Palo Alto area, it's got a lot of, uh, it has a symbiotic relationship with startups, big business, venture capital, education, development. What am I missing? Yeah. Expense. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, what we're here to talk about is a little bit of, so you've had an inside look at things that are going on in the Silicon Valley as well as the Silicon Prairie. Yes, definitely. So we'll do a little comparison. So first off, like what's the biggest difference or something that you've seen? Well, you know, let's back up. What were some of your initial observations and impressions as you began to set foot in to the Silicon Valley. Yeah. So
0: it, it kind of has this uh, kind of folklore in the IT world. You know, when you go there, it's, it's, uh, it, it feels like Hollywood for IT, sure. you know? And so when I went out there, my kind of is, it There's is like enough
1: movies and stuff about that. Well, right? well
0: yeah. HBO has sure. Silicon Valley uh, as, absolutely. A, as a series. Yeah.
1: Which, which is funny. Cause it, it, that show, which I do watch does, uh, seem to accentuate some of the ridiculousness yeah, out there too. And there is some
0: ridiculousness out there as well.
1: Um, there's ridiculousness everywhere, but sometimes when you give certain types of people enough power, money, or, or a big enough platform to stand on, it just, it, it really accelerates ridiculousness. It does. It does. Yeah. Um, the, I think one of the,
0: the things that surprised me is when I went out there, I knew I would be around a lot of smart people. Sure. Um, and was that true? That was very true. Okay. Very true. Uh, the one thing that I wasn't prepared for is I assumed it's all these smart people that grew up around here, grew up around, you know, Stanford and, and San Francisco. And it was, it could not be further from the truth. There's no, you know, you, whenever you go into an IT company there, you might find 5% of the people are actually from that area.
1: Okay. And so, and to clarify, you are from Southwest Missouri. Correct. Yeah. Not a ton of stuff down there. Not a ton. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And so. So you joined the 95% that were not from there. Yes, okay. absolutely.
0: And so, you know, whenever you walk into a company there, and I I, I had the privilege of being able to, to tour a couple of different companies just because I had friends of friends that work there, but you go around, it's, it's interesting there at Stanford's Children's Hospital, um, I'd look at cubicle land, and you would see, you know, the big 12 uh, uh, schools represented, you see Texas and KU and Mizzou, although they're not the big 12 anymore. But uh, uh, Oklahoma, there's a lot of different, mm. you know, Midwest is very, very well represented there. And so it was interesting, I always thought, well, these are just people that grew up in Silicon Valley and and got jobs there, but it's not, they're traveling there for the jobs. And so one of the things, whenever you're walking around San Francisco, you meet somebody first, you know, one of the first questions you ask is where are you from? Because no one's from there.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So where were most of the people from? I mean, I, I know you said Midwest, but I mean, were they from all over the United States? Was it, were, were a noticeable portion of people like from international? Yes. Yeah. So for instance, the last team
0: that I was on, I was actually director of web development and my last team, I was the only person that wasn't international on the team. So lots of people from India, lots of people from, from Asian countries, uh, well, well represented there. They have a very large
1: Asian population. So, you know, and one of the things we talked about before we started recording was, you know, the, the, the big question that, you know, we were, we were asking is, you know, why? why why is silicon valley is what it is and you know here's the thing is uh 50 years ago it was it was vineyards yeah and you know i and i didn't have time i actually meant to go back there's a there's a pbs documentary that's about the formation of silicon valley mm-hmm. and you know at the time and this was you know it kind of started with transistors and just like goofy little science stuff you know the palo alto stuff and i can't remember who it was it might have even been like uh I don't know, man. It was, it really was. It was like radio transistors. And, and then, you know, computers came along and they started to, it started to really kind of pick up. And, you know, now it's one of the most densely populated is without a doubt the most, ex- well, it may be, is it more expensive than New York? It, it is depending on where, you're, depending at on where and, you're at in yeah. Silicon
0: Valley. It's, it can absolutely be more
1: expensive. Yeah, and you had shared a statistic with me that the average two bedroom uh, apartment in that part of the world is $4,400 per month.
0: Yeah, San Francisco, and that's not even a good
1: spot. No, no, San yeah. Francisco is forty four
0: hundred dollars a month. You can go out into, you know, further south and and maybe find a place for thirty eight hundred dollars yeah, yeah. a month. A lot but cheaper. But,
1: but, but yeah. then you've got an hour and a half commute sure. one way. I and mean, so I the last I was in the last time I was in the Bay Area. I've been there twice in the last three years. So I was at uh, TechCrunch two and a half mm-hmm. years ago, and you know, it was interesting because I hadn't been there for a long time, a long time. And my very, the very first thing that I, uh, I realized was I got immediately reminded of the expense because my hotel is 400 bucks a night. Yeah, And I, I, and my, I took my wife and my daughter with me. Cause you know, why not? You know, I was like, Hey, we'll go out there. And we, and we had points from travel. I used to travel a lot too. So I had this like surplus of travel. And so we have a couple first class tickets and we head out there and, we get to this $400 a night hotel and I'm expecting something nice. It was, it was like a bed and it was like this one of the smallest hotel rooms I've ever been in too. Um, so I got reminded of that, but as I was booking, Jill said, well, maybe it's cause all the people are going to TechCrunch." And I said, I don't think so. Cause I'm looking at these other dates and it's just like, this is just like the normal price. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Okay. So yeah, got out there. That was, a, that was a reminder. And then another time I was, I was in, uh, I went to San Jose, because I went to SneakerCon,
0: SneakerCon,
1: yeah. So one of our one of someone I've worked with in the past is to J.C. Lopez. He's the founder of Urban Necessities, and uh, they're big in the sneaker world. And he's really famous in sneakers. And I went to I was doing some work with him on this brand, and um, you know, so we went to SneakerCon. It was uh, it was actually in Santa Clara, and all those things have like grown together. Yeah, it's like that's just like San Jose. San Francisco, Santa Clara, because the San Francisco 49ers actually play in Santa Clara, yes. which is much closer to San Jose than it is to the, the San Francisco. Yeah. So yeah, I got reacquainted with the geography of that. And, you know, so as I'm, I remember the first impression is I was saying in downtown San Francisco, and I was heading out to TechCrunch and most, I'm sure most of the people that are listening, are you familiar with TechCrunch, Dale? Yes. So, you know, TechCrunch in this particular Thing. It's a really cool experience. And I'm going to go back out this fall. Um, but you know, there's a bunch of people pitching their startups, basically. And then coupled with that, there was a lot of uh, presentation from a lot of people that did a lot of different things. But as I, uh, you know, I decided to, um, I was close enough to walk. So I decided on that very first day to just kind of walk was nice morning and I'm walking by and I'm just seeing all the places there downtown, like walking by Mozilla, that's a f- Firefox, which, mm-hmm. which at one point was like Netscape yeah, or something like that, you know? And like, you look back at the history of these things and you think, Oh man, that was forever ago. Wait, maybe it wasn't, you know, and it wasn't that long ago. And we were recording an episode yesterday and we were talking about, um, so, uh, Travis Wright, who's a uh, very well-known, Uh, marketing technology guy and famous crypto podcaster Mm -hmm. and we were talking about stuff and we were like wait a minute that's only like 10 years ago yeah iphone 2 was 11 years ago iphone one was like 13 years ago and you're like wow that's like happens quick i know i know and it feels like it's ancient technology but the the rate and speed at which this has changed um is very interesting because it's not a natural velocity you know and and I mean, maybe it is, maybe it doesn't, but, um, so the question is why, you know, why do so many people come there? And then you look at somewhere like Kansas city, which is where we're at right now. I'm always very realistic about what Kansas city is. Mm -hmm. We're like the 30, I don't even know. We're like the 35th biggest market in the country. We're not big. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of Hollywood in Kansas city. Is there any at all? (laughs) <laughs> very, very, very little. When I travel internationally and I talk to people, and they say, "Where are you from?" and I can't say Kansas City, I have legitimately and multiple times been asked if there are cowboys here.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, no. So
1: that's, that's a perception.
0: That is. When I was in, uh when I was in Silicon Valley. A person asked me, "Like, are you from a farm?" It, well, this question was, "Why do they allow trailers in Kansas?" I'm like, what are you talking about? That was about? like a, just like a blanket statement. Yeah, like all the, like they're, what kind no they're, they're like trailer parks or yeah like, weird? like because they're like they just blow away and this was a there very is some, smart there is person. Some, there
1: is some truth to that but at the same time still i i this
0: person when they were talking to me i mean i feel like well they thought that you know just every year all these trailers just blow across the prairie and then we go out and
1: create new trailer parks or whatever so yeah normally and for to clarify the tumbleweed comes first because it's lighter. That's true. And then the trailers go tumbling through the ghost town.
0: And then the the cows follow. You know, yeah. The
1: cows just blowing through the through yeah. the tornadoes. And that's all. All of none of which is true. Well, the tumbleweed <laughs> part might be true, but so you know, you look at you look at these different markets, and I'm personally of the opinion that we are about to experience a renaissance because. Um, you know, recently Ryan Weber, the president of the Kansas city tech council has been in here. Now Ryan is a, as is there's interesting things going on in Kansas city. I was reading an article in the wall street journal yesterday about the hyperloop. Mm-hmm. And they are talking about building that across Missouri, Kansas city to St. Louis. And it's because it's flat and because they have the building and it's all in one state and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's just common, uh, perception that our tech jobs are all leaving. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you saw a large representation of people in the Midwest and actually year over year, Kansas city gained 13,000 tech jobs. And that's a, that's an indication that businesses are wrapping their arms around the fact that it's fair that, okay, there's two factors. There's instability mm-hmm. on the coasts and the rising cost is clearly a, a big deal. So you're finding a lot of these companies seem to be maintaining a smaller presence in places like, you know, the Bay area and California and New York, and then they are starting to relocate larger centers of operation to Midwestern cities. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And it, when I was in Silicon Valley, there were so many people that were working there that wanted out, oh, yeah. absolutely yeah. wanted out. And, yeah. and the number one reason was, was quality of life. I yeah. mean, you it's extremely difficult to start a family there. Um, I had the, uh, a person that I reported to—I'm not going to say who it was specifically—but uh, he sold his house in Menlo Park. And this house, and if it were in Kansas City, it would be worth maybe 150 thousand, something of that nature. He sold his house for 3.2, <laughs> some somewhere in that neighborhood. Moved uh, to San Diego and bought a house that was so big it had its own tennis courts nice. in San Diego, not, not an yeah. inexpensive place to live as, as well, but that's what we were finding. I mean, in the Google parking lot, they had people uh, living out of their cars working at Google because it was so expensive. They realized that, Hey, if I live in my car for six months, I'm going to save
1: 30 grand. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and it's true. Yeah. And so, you know, you still get back. So we're still screaming why, yeah. Well, a lot of it has to do with with other kinds of money, and you did a little you did a little fact finding mission. You want to share the results of of where the VC money's being being spread across the toast?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in twenty eighteen, um, Silicon Valley represented forty six percent of all VC
1: funds in twenty eighteen. Well, that might have something to do with it. I absolutely think that has and, a and lot to do with it. I'm not sure if you gathered this. Do you, how how much money was that? Uh, yeah, that was, uh, 45.5 billion. That's a couple bucks. That's a couple bucks.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, as a comparison, uh, uh, New York only had 13 billion, uh, all of new England had 10 billion and then the remainder Is a of- billion or percent billion. Okay. And then the remainder of the, the funds, uh, all other us cities, it w- was, uh, 29 billion. So it just, what is interesting is you think about technology and we preach it, you preach it, that technology, you can, you can, you can do technology from anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, you have a, a large presence in Cebu. That's what, yep. that's what you do. That's what technology preaches. But whenever you look at VCs, a lot of times they're very conservative. They're money, right? And so they want- They are and they aren't. Yeah. It's
1: like it, they, they've, they've taken, they've chosen to stand on one side of the line. They're rarely in the middle. Yeah. but. They want their
0: companies to be within eyesight. They need, they they like, if you're going to throw that much money at something, you want to be able to go and, and walk in the door and make sure that people are, are showing up to work.
1: Yeah. And once again, that's why some of these companies are keeping some kind of presence there. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just like the mailing address. Yeah. Who knows? But um, yeah, it's definitely like a trendy thing. And so, you know, at Full Scale, we, we talk to we have clients that are, man, at this point, all over the country. And, you know, what do we do? We help people build. Development teams faster and cheaper, mm-hmm. and we we pretty much exist. And we have grown so rapidly because of the fact that places like Silicon Valley exist. Yeah, because you look at uh, you know at the at the uh, CEO retreat that I went to a couple weeks ago, and we're talking about the fact that Google just doesn't even have a cap anymore on hiring people. Mm-hmm. Like what the cost would be. Yeah, they just like and with certain folks, like if they want someone, they just basically told their HR department, like, hey, we don't get outbid. Yeah. And that, so you don't have to be an economist or, uh, or someone with two decades of data analytics experience (laughs) to understand supply and demand. And when it comes to business and, and marketplaces or anything, it's something supply and demand is still the most powerful factor. Um, you can't get around it. And, uh, so there's a huge supply or there's a huge demand and there's not enough supply mm-hmm. and 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 that there's a lot of factors for that we could almost do a whole another episode of it but companies want to develop technology now 20 years ago only software companies were creating software yeah for the most part everything has software in it now like yeah. mean, drinking fountains have software in it like the drinking fountain on some levels might be some of the oldest technology that is publicly used. Yeah. That's still out there. You know, you look at and I mean, they had drinking fountains in Rome, Mm -hmm. you know, ancient Rome, like, And it's still out there. And if you talk to, I know some people that own a a 160 year old drinking fountain company, and that's why I have the example. And if you talk, ask them, you said, Hey, 10 years ago, did you ever think that a drinking fountain might have software in it? And they would say some expletive and then no. And you know, but the thing is, is it does. And when you go to the drinking fountain and you fill up your water bottle and it tells you how many bottles of water you've saved mm-hmm. or how many, you know, whatever, well, that's software. So it's in everything. Do you have kids? No. Okay. I do. I have two and they, all their toys, everything. Like my daughter has a bear that has a camera in it's, eye that reads QR codes. Wow. And you hold these little cards that the bear has in its backpack up in front of the bear. It reads a QR code and it knows what story to tell, or it knows what, you know, branch to take. And so, but I mean, like half of the toys are like that, all software. Mm -hmm. So the internet of things uh, amongst other, everybody using software and, and needing it has, and our inability to, in certain parts of the country, um, you know, push people into these and i say push because it's almost what we need to do but get people through you have a computer science degree yeah i bet you graduated with a small class yeah very small how Um, many um i don't even i I can't even tell you like
0: small like very small yeah and every class is always the same people in that class um so yeah it, it it it's really interesting uh Recently, I've talked to a lot of people that are non-traditional students that are wanting to go back and get uh, computer science degrees or or even certificates. and the the one thing that I mentioned to them is is what you alluded to is that if you get into technology, you can get into any company, yep. meaning every single company out there has technology, uses technology, or absolutely will use technology. I mean my it was interesting, my last week when I was in Silicon Valley. I was walking. I was in Cupertino. I was walking across the street and uh, walking against against the light. And this, I was in the w- crosswalk, and uh, this car stops. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I just got hit because I was late for for the airport." And I look over, and it's this little white car with a blue bubble on the top of it, and there was nobody in there driving it. No one. Welcome driving. to the future, It's just like wow. Uh, yeah, and um, you think about it. We uh, we all use autonomous vehicles every, almost every single day. And that autonomous vehicle is actually an elevator. That's a good point. Yeah. There used to be elevator never operators. Really, never
1: really thought about that.
0: It is an autonomous vehicle. It's I the I still first. go some
1: places where they have the elevator operator. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, but I'm fancy. I was going to say, you have to be fancy to yeah, do that. Yeah. That's uh, main, it's some of the the uh, the venues we go to. Oh, yeah. We host our sweet and greet events. Oh, they okay. actually have an uh, elevator operator and. I I think it's more so for keeping people out of those Mm -hmm. levels that don't have the appropriate ticket or getting, I think it's more about directing people to the right place. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and it's it's funny because, you know, things like Uber, you're really just training their future self-driving cars. Yeah, absolutely. The little icon that you see that, oh, the guy's close. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. Well, they're keeping track of all that stuff. And then it's the same thing that Tesla's doing with their self-driving cars. mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you. I kind of welcome that. I I find my commute to be remarkably unproductive. Mm -hmm. Try to do things to make it productive. Yeah. And it's hard to do. So, all right. Podcasts are great. I listen to podcasts.
0: I I feel like I'm productive going mm -hmm. to and from work. That's actually
1: something that they say if you listen to either books on tape or podcasts Mm -hmm. or, or some form of educational content. And you do it just within the average commute, then uh, you can take in the uh, every year you take in the equivalent of a semester of college. Wow! And, and I mean that's pretty powerful. This yeah. is like during your commute. And um, in one of my books, I'm I, I'm very adamant. So balance me is about finding balance in your personal, professional, and physical life. Well, one of the things that you oftentimes have to do to create balance is more of something and less of something else. Mm-hmm. And a common thing that I, you know, and and for that book, I, I really pondered the subject matter of that for 10 years before I wrote it. And I noticed that a lot of people who said they weren't doing certain things, weren't doing them because they said they were too busy. Yeah. But I really, as I started to, as, as some of them let me look a little closer at what they were doing, I realized it's not that you don't have time. It's just that you're often choosing really low value activities You know, some people, when it comes to productivity, also talking, and I'm not trying to get off track here, but I think Mm -hmm. this is, this is important too. But a lot of people will say, oh, focus on only one thing. I actually disagree. Like if your commute, like when you listen to a podcast like this or a book on tape or anything, you're now bundling. You're taking, uh, because the commute is on, uh, according to me, is one of the lowest value activities that you can have. Watching TV, playing video games. Um, Sorry, gamers. No, you don't want to hear that. but. (laughs) You know, and people have asked me before, like, do you play video games? I'm like, dude, I don't have time. Yeah. And, uh, but if you can find, if you can find a way to stack something on top of, or I just use the term replacement. Yeah. So if you can replace, like if you have 30 minutes a day, that's a hundred and like over 180 hours a year. And think about what you could accomplish if you had 180 hours of time to do anything. I mean, you can learn a foreign language. You can, you can, you can learn how to fly a jet not even a plane, a fricking jet. Jet. You have enough (laughs) flight hours at that point and you can do a lot and you can master a lot of things. So it's
0: interesting you say that when I, when I come home, my wife will ask me, Hey, how was your day? The number one thing that makes a good day from a bad day for me is productivity. Mm -hmm. Did I get things done, right? My to do list, is it, it, is it smaller than it was when I walked in the door? And that's the number one
1: thing that indicates whether I had a quote, good day or bad. I'm running on like a five year backlog. (laughs) it's, it keeps getting deeper. Um, so anyway, as we kind of get back to the, to the Valley and, um, I told you the time goes fast on these things. Yeah. So we're getting close, but so I spent a lot of time talking to people from a lot of different locations, some of which are international. Um, the cost of doing business and the availability of software developers is a problem pretty much everywhere other than like the Philippines. Um, there's there are st- there's still an abundance of of high high quality talent there. A couple of the other Asian countries like China has a lot. Um, same with India. India turns out a lot of computer science graduates, and we're talking about Silicon Valley. Well, Bangalore is the Silicon Valley of India, and some comparisons. The country India as a country, which has a massive population, like it's 1.5 billion people, is going to I graduate about a million computer science graduates this year. The state of Kansas in 2017 was just over 300. Wow. Just 300. Uh, I, according to someone that stopped by from the Kansas Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. last year, it was 338. Wow. now i don't know if that's the total number of people that actually ended up gravitating towards it but you know the problem is and i don't want to sound discouraging for adults ready to repurpose but if you're in, if you don't have any experience with computer science and you go back to learn it theoretically you're on par experience wise with a lot of 7 year olds yeah it's it's very true and 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 then also you know it's like so, you know, full-scale, we deal with expert developers, which they're hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we have full-stack developers, extremely hard to just, find. That's what we do as any well. Any people that are just experts or super experienced mm-hmm. and, you know, the more experience you want, the harder they are to find because people weren't doing this as much anymore. But, you know, people that are in the middle of the road, I mean, I can't even hire them because yeah. our clients don't want them. Yeah. So it's like, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird balance. But th- so. That that commonality exists, but the one thing that stands out when you look at like Silicon Valley or Silicon Prairie is no matter who I talk to that's running a company or operating a business on either one of the coasts, they are remarkably jealous of our cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. And if you think a forty four hundred dollar per month for a two bedroom apartment is expensive, what if you need a ten thousand square foot? what if you need a floor of a skyscraper yeah it's insanely expensive. I can't even imagine how expensive that is yeah. in in San, like downtown San Francisco it's it's millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that'd be ridiculous you know and and you know full scale has two floors of a skyscraper and in an, an, a brand new building in an IT park in Cebu It's still pretty expensive so yeah. i can't imagine how much that would cost so the cost of doing business and then there seems to be the impression that you can't find talent. Well, it's short everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's short everywhere. And that's where why the, the future blended model of, of domestic and international teams has gaining such popularity. And so, you know, at Folsco, we're not trying to send jobs out of here. Mm-hmm. There aren't people to do them anyway. We try to find people to build around yeah. and create a blended model, which creates an average cost per seat that becomes palatable and profitable for a business. So, you know, finding that companies all over, we get inquiries from Singapore, Australia, uh, Europe, Canada, obviously the United States. I mean, those are the most common ones and, mm-hmm. and regularly. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was strange at first when, you know, you get an inquiry about doing business with us and they're from Australia and they have the exact same problems there.
0: Yeah, there's a deficit of, of developers across the, you know, across the world. And you're talking about, you know, when you look at Silicon Valley versus Silicon Prairie, what are some of those differences? Um, I think in Silicon Prairie, we have a couple of distinct advantages that you don't have in Silicon Valley. And one of those is location. Uh, you know, we're talking, Central. Yeah. Uh, we talk about uh, transportation industries. Yeah. Uh, the startup that I worked at, uh, Catapult International, we were doing transportation software. For steamship lines, we're nowhere close to an ocean, True. <laughs> and but yet we have the transportation knowledge here in 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 this case in the Kansas City area. The other thing that is vitally important for technology and specific types of technology is a lot of the companies uh, on either coast. They're, for lack of a better term, they're 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 uh, thinking really quickly and they're they're producing these really small apps that will will be a success for like two years and then go away. The thing that we can do uh, in you know in the central states is we have the ability to do time on task. If you look at Kansas City, you know, Kansas City has has Cerner here. And one of the main reasons that Cerner is such a success is because they spent, you know, they've been working on the same software since 1979, right? And so like healthcare IT that is an anvil that's worn out a lot of hammers in other words uh oracles tried to do it microsoft tried to do it all of these large companies have have tried to get into the healthcare it field and it just takes too long i mean can you imagine going to a vc and saying okay i need to spend five years developing the software and we'll have our first client in six years no one's going to invest in that right but here in you know in the silicon prairie because our costs are low, we can spend and take the time and whenever you look at the, the i t companies that are here, we've got healthcare i t we've got insurance you know they're not necessarily sexy things, but they're really difficult, really hard to do, as well as banking banking it is there, you know this is a central place for banking i t and those are things that that are vitally important but take a long time to develop
1: sure and you know you can't run your business with on the upper tier of an expense threshold in every single category and expect to be successful. I mean, the, and that's the thing that's still kind of, I find it still to be mind boggling. Like I understand if you're in downtown New York and you have a corner restaurant or store that, you know, you sell slices of pizza. Let's just say that. And you're there on the corner and a hundred thousand people a day walk by. Yeah, I get it. I get it on that being expensive, but I don't understand why that is a popular destination for, you know, certain office buildings or places, and yeah, you know, maybe that's just the way. But I mean, clearly, it's 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 a follow the money, yeah, exactly kind of thing. But yeah, and you know, uh, uh, the uh, it, I feel every oh about once a month I'm seeing another headline about a company that's moving here, mm-hmm. bringing a hundred jobs, bringing yeah. two hundred jobs. It's because they're doing the math. And uh, like you said, that central location has a lot to do with it. I mean, it's still a four-hour flight, to San Francisco, as you are well aware. Yes, yes, it's surprisingly long, isn't it? You is. feel like, gosh, it shouldn't be that long, but it. And now, if you have to fly from New York to San Francisco, that's—I mean—that's an entire day. Yeah, your day's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's—and the crazy thing is—is is that's about half of the time it takes to fly from San Francisco to Taiwan. Yeah, which is just part of our trip to Cebu. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. If you have some information or input, I know this is a hot topic, feel free to join us on Facebook on the Startup Hustle chat. If you enjoyed the episode, you listened to the show, do me a favor, reach down and hit that fifth star, leave a review. Um, we'd like to hear from you. Appreciate everyone that has reached out and, and said such nice things. Hopefully you're enjoying the new programming schedule. It's a little more aggressive than our prior programming schedule, which it had exactly no schedule. So, Dale, thanks for coming in. And uh, let's see if we can get you back in here for another topic. That'd be great. Thank you. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt
0: DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit StartupHustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on
1: Startup Hustle.